Okay, this is Hindsight 2020, this one for post-NFL Week 8, coming off of a 2-2 two and two Sunday in the Super Contest. Now, Mike and I have our final game tonight. It's our share of square. We're taking the Detroit Lions, lay, currently laying 7 against the Vegas Raiders. You know, this makes me a little bit nervous. This game was at eight and a half when we picked it last week. It has moved down to seven. Now, being that we're laying the favorite, obviously I would rather lay seven points than lay eight and a half. So we are getting a better number. But something you always have to keep in mind is... As the number gets more favorable to you, it means that sharp money is most likely coming in on the other side. Because if the really sharp bettors were on Detroit with Mike and I, this would be getting more expensive. It wouldn't be getting more of a discount on the price. So it's just something to think about as numbers move in your favor Always beware that the market might be going the opposite side of you. So we don't care about bucking trends and bucking the market. Uh, we just want to have winners, baby, and hopefully the Lions can pull one out for us. We really need it after a losing week last week. I'd really like to see us go three and two. But two and two after Sunday. Boy, let's start with the game where, I mean, just lopsided wrong. Both Mike and I liked the Rams. Uh, This was a cash play for me yesterday. And, you know, part of my handicap was just silly. I talked about how the offensive line for the Rams was kind of in shambles. We saw Pittsburgh's front just absolutely obliterate Stafford and company. The week prior for me to try to say, oh, well, now McVeigh can counter based on what he's seen. Yeah, that's about as optimistic of a take as you can probably have. But here's the deal. Was Dallas's front going to be absolutely detrimental to the point where the Rams couldn't protect it all? Not necessarily, But it wasn't going to be a positive in the category of playing the Rams. If you were handicapping to take the Cowboys, you would use that part of the handicap to your advantage. Uh, Silly on me. Let me just give a quick lesson out there to betters. I've talked about this before. You'll have to excuse me. I'm going to get in the weeds for a second about power ratings. So what a lot of bettors will do, certainly the professional ones and a lot of amateurs like myself that really try to get into it, is we power rate every team. Basically, if you are a dead average team, you're worth zero points. If you're better than average, you have a plus rating. If you're below average, you have a negative rating. We do this so that we can take each team's rating And come up, based on that rating, with a hypothetical point spread. What we think the point spread should be. Now, most of the time when you're gambling, you use this to determine whether or not you have value. So, if my power rating says, oh, Dallas uh, should be a 10-point favorite home against the Rams, and this line's only 7, 
I got three points worth of value. I can bet the Cowboys. The problem I had in this game, I had the line at one and a half. There's no way that's right. There's no way that can be the line. I had so much value on the Rams that it was actually too much value. Because what you're really looking for is just a couple points of disparity. Because we've got to be realistic to understand that we're not seeing things as far as power ratings where the book is wrong by, in this case, five and a half points. Look at the casino. Look at your house. Look at just which one has better lighting. Okay? These guys are professional. Yes, they miss occasionally where betters can get the edge, but anytime you have such a huge disparity, it should actually discourage you from betting because if you have that much differential between your power rating and the actual line, odds are is you're either misevaluating or missing something. I don't know what it was I was missing, but I missed out on a winner in that game. Me and Mike take a big fat L in chain of custody. Dallas rolled. The number never even came into play. Uh, the Green Bay Packers plus one and a half. It was our Admiral Akbar. It's a trap game. You know, I'm starting to think that Mike and I don't really recognize what a trap is. Because it seems like these games that were so positive are traps are really just kind of obvious good sides that we should be betting. We talk about inverse of categories sometimes. Sometimes the inverse of the ugly Betty category is the share a square. I'm starting to think the inverse of the Admiral Akbar it's a trap game is the Vizzini of Vegas, where the Vizzini of Vegas is where there's an obvious side in the game but the super sharp betters just to refuse to believe that it could ever be that easy. Now look, I've, I abide by this. Whenever a line looks like they're giving something away, you should beware. But think about this game from a, a home field advantage aspect. Had this game been in Minnesota... That line would have been flopped about three points. The Vikings would have been about a four, four and a half point favorite. That line doesn't sound wrong. That sounds about right. So I think we just looked at this, expected it to be a big number, but just sort of misevaluated the home field advantage. Minnesota was the right play in this game. Consider this the Vikings missed two field goals. They averaged two yards per rush against Green Bay's putrid run defense, and they lost their quarterback in the game and dominated. I mean, Green Bay just can't do much of anything. If you don't have a capable and confident quarterback in this league, it is tough running. And the fact that me and Mike have backed this Packer team two weeks in a row after seeing how dismal the quarterback play was against Denver, really kind of outthought the room on this one. We've got to sometimes simplify things. We can't be afraid to go out on limbs, but sometimes we make things more complicated than they are. 
this was one of those cases. This this would have been much better to go Vizini of Vegas. Why why not take the Vikings here? But no, we get the pack and we get on the wrong side of the game. Uh, Carolina plus three and a half. This was Trend City, baby. I talked about this a few weeks back. After week five, just bet winless teams against the spread. Their numbers are inflated. This is a case where the look-ahead line in this game was three. It sat three all week, bumped itself up to three and a half. Loved Carolina coming off the bye here. Uh, Houston, hey, they're a good team, but are they really ready to be laying three on the road? Just ask yourself out loud. Sometimes these teams, they look really good, way better than their into-the-season expectation All of a sudden, when you're laying field goals on the road, people are really, that's a high aspiration people have of you. I don't doubt that Houston can become that team, but this was a little premature. One thing we missed in this game during the bye, Carolina relinquishing the play duties. Frank Reich gives it to the offensive coordinator, mixes things up. They looked more confident. They looked more balanced. And again, we had trends going for us in this game. 80% of the bets coming in on Houston, 80% of the money on Carolina. So the small, squaro bets were coming in on Houston, but the big, sharp money coming in on Carolina, that was a good sign. We had the winless team trend. We followed it into a winner here. Ended up getting the three and a half in this, but good eye on Mike. He liked this even at three. Points never came into play. Carolina wins the game outright. And now I don't have to suffer through betting this Carolina trend the rest of the year. But bet it yesterday. Got a winner. Ugly Betty for the contest comes through for a strong. All right, the last play, we had the Cincinnati Bengals. Now, Mike made up some obscure uh, category about Sam Darnold and ghosts. I was having a tough time with this one over the weekend because I felt I should have pushed back harder because I think Mike was taking a negative bias he has for Sam Darnold and creating an entire handicap around that. This was not pick a category and this game fit the category This was, I want to bet against Sam Darnold. I'll make up a category if I have to to do so. However, Sam Darnold didn't even play. It was Brock Purdy miraculously clearing concussion protocol. But I had heard someone way smarter than me in the X's and O's say, if you watched over the past couple weeks, watch the Browns, watch the Vikings, defenses have figured out how to play Brock Purdy. And then I get Cincinnati off of a bye with the best adjusting defensive coordinator in the league, and they did a phenomenal job shutting down the 49ers with some injuries, albeit, but they got shut down on the offensive side of the ball. And how good is Joe Burrow? I'll tell you one thing, a well Mike and I have gone back to We just know when no one is interested in Joe Burrow and the Cincinnati Bengals, and we just tend to jump on board with them. So I actually liked this game better once I heard it was Purdy. I was a little bit worried. I don't like 
to have handicaps that are all based on some sort of negative emotion. I think we tend to blow things out of proportion and be a little bit more gung-ho in our actions instead of looking for very slim edges. So kind of got away with that one, but at the same time, once I saw it was Purdy and once the point spread started moving up, this looked like a really solid play and we were in on it. So 2-2 two and two in the contest really need the Lions tonight. Uh, we will talk about that game and all of Week 9's action come Thursday. This has been Hindsight 2020. Thanks for listening and good luck betting.